Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. And now, now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow, now is there? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast with host A. Trunk. Hey everybody, it's Eddie Trunk and welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Interviews with the biggest names in rock and metal each and every week. New episodes every Thursday. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss one. Hope you are all having a good week. As I tell you guys all the time, the interviews you hear on my podcast all happen live on my Sirius XM radio shows. So be sure to listen each and every day, Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Nightly re-airs most nights at midnight Eastern and full shows, audio, video, and more anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. I'm on Monday through Friday on Faction Talk Channel 103 live in the 3 to 5 Eastern window. And on Mondays, 5 to 8 Eastern on Channel 39, Hair Nation. And I bring that up this week especially because this is a bit rare. The interview you are about to hear this week happened on my show on Hair Nation, which is also called Trunk Nation. And again, is a music and talk show, 5 to 8 Eastern on Channel 39. And uh, this interview took place just this past Monday. It was a bit last minute. It wasn't really all that planned, but it is with Nuno Betancourt of Extreme. Extreme released their first new music in 15 years a week ago with a single called Rise for a coming new album in June called Six. And I've always been a big fan of the band, and how, who, how could you not be a fan of Nuno, one of the world-class players out there on the planet? And uh, kind of last minute, I hit up Nuno, and he said he wanted to come on and talk about the single, and I certainly uh, said that would be great. And we're going to do more with the entire band closer to the album's release in June, but I figured we'd get him on for a little bit just to talk about the single. So we had a great conversation, and then during it, my friend Tom Morello texted me, and he said, hey, you got to get me on the air with this because he happened to be listening. Again, everything you hear on this podcast is live radio originated as a live radio show. So Tom hit me up 
and uh, he said, I want to come on. So I conferenced him in, as you'll hear about halfway through the conversation. And as you'll also hear, Tom is a huge fan of Nuno's going to Harvard. He used to go see Extreme in the clubs before they were even signed and uh, has become friends with Nuno ever since. So a nice surprise here that happened really spontaneously. Nuno Betancourt on my Hair Nation show on Sirius XM and then an unexpected call in from Tom Morello about halfway through. So you'll hear all of that in the interview I'm bringing to you this week on the uh, on the podcast. Again, uh, it's all from the radio show. So if you're in the U.S. or Canada, please be sure to come on and join me. I've got a huge world exclusive that just happened with Billy Squire uh, just the other day. So I'll bring that to you as the podcast in the next week or two. But if you're a listener of the radio show, you heard it because you can hear it live and on demand, of course, if you do join me on SiriusXM. Be sure to follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page as well. And if you're in Houston or Dallas, I'm coming your way really soon. March 16th, speaking show happening at the Guitar Sanctuary in McKinney, Texas. The Winery Dogs will be joining me as my guest during that. And then I'm hosting Winery Dog shows March 17th in Dallas at Amplified Live and March 19th in Houston at Warehouse Live. So those are the next appearances and uh, hope to see you there if you are in Houston or Dallas. Should be a fun four days, really, with Winery Dogs, them coming to my show and then me doing uh, two shows with them in Houston and Dallas. Great band, should be a lot of fun. So that's what we have for you this week. I hope you guys enjoy this. And uh, again, I'm going to do something with the full band uh, with Extreme closer to the album coming out in June. But this was just really a check-in with Nuno that turned into something really cool, some great conversation here, and an unexpected call-in from the one and only Tom Morello about halfway through. Check it out on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Enjoy. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Nuno, how are you, brother? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good, I'm good. When you hear stuff from that very first album, what comes back to you? God, how tired it makes me thinking of playing that song. I'm old. No, well, I just saw you do. I just saw you do it at Rock Island, bro. You did it just fine. Still, I listen to that stuff, and it feel like we're like you sound like these kids, like chipmunks on on crack, like playing everything super fast, and our voices sound like we just hit puberty or weren't we didn't hit puberty yet. I don't know, but it's it's really interesting to 
to hear uh, to hear that stuff. But it's 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 I've I've always been it's always been hard for me to go back and listen to our albums. I love performing it live. Is it, it you know it's funny you say that though because. Obviously, I mean, I just I see you guys play all the time, and I really am blown away by how great the band is and how great you are and the whole thing. But do, does uh, is it is it hard to play the early stuff? Like you know, I did something with Metallica recently where they played their first couple records only, and they were all coming over to me on the side of the stage, going, "Holy shit! I it's it's a lot different trying to play this." at 50 something or 60 when I was made it at 20. Do you feel that at all? Or is it still come pretty easy to you from a performance yeah, you know standpoint? What, you know, what's kind of, you know, I, I, we should feel that. I think maybe emotionally we feel that a little bit, you know, sometimes, you know, you uh, albums to me are like, are like a tattoo, right? It's permanent, but it's, it's in a specific period of your life. And it always reminds you of that time, which is always, great i mean hopefully hopefully well i'm sure there are a lot of tattoos people want to get rid of but the in our case i think it's uh i think it's a we grow with the song as well so we take it and we i don't know if there's a mature version of it or just where we are you know tempos and how we do an arrangement or how we play it i think i think you kind of like you, you kind of get this more seasoned version of the songs live which i enjoy playing you know yeah, no doubt. And one one last thing when I think about the first record, correct me if I'm wrong, because I just mentioned Billy Squire a second ago, who's coming on my show. But wasn't that first record uh, produced or co-produced by that same guy that worked on his records, Mac? Am I crazy or did you work with Mac on that record? No, you are not crazy. As a matter of fact, look, when I was just waiting to come on and I was listening to the to, to you on the air, I, I got super pumped just with Billy doing new stuff. I am such a massive, massive fan. His, Me too. his, his albums and his tunes and his production, his guitar yeah. player, drum band, his voice. I thought he was really unique. And I always thought he had a really different swag to rock and roll and the way he did all those, you know, tracks. Like, it, it, so I'm super excited to hear his new stuff. I haven't heard it yet, but he, yes, Mac worked with Queen on like, uh, on the game. And he also did a, a few other albums with with Queen, and he also did those Mac. Uh, sorry, did those uh, Billy Squire albums. Yeah, you know, he did "Don't Say No," and he did, I think, "Emotions, Emotion" as well. Um, yeah. yeah, Billy's new Billy's new tune is really great. I mean, I've I've heard it already. I'm going to premiere it tomorrow, but it's real good. I I don't know honestly. I don't think he's going full in back in. I don't think there's like a record or tour coming. I'll find out more tomorrow. But he just kind of made a song and we'll see where that takes him. But yeah, I'm, I'm a super fan as well. So I'm psyched to talk to him tomorrow and see, see what happens and uh, what he's yeah, got I up get, his sleeve. I get, to write, I get to write a song with Billy uh, back in the 1900s. <laughs> really? And, you know, we, 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 uh, Extremes album had just come out porn graffiti and we were doing well, of course. And I was at uh, a studio called Blue Jay, I believe in Massachusetts. And he hit up my manager, which he knew. And he said, Hey, you think, you know, would be interested in writing. And, you know, we wrote together. I don't know what, came of the song maybe nothing happened with it and maybe it, it didn't really work out but it was just it was maybe it's because i was just fucking fanboying the whole time going wow i'm <laughs> sitting next to billy squire and writing a track and hearing that voice you know you play a riff and then you hear that voice you're like oh okay <laughs> yeah well that's the biggest thing when you hear the song tomorrow that's the biggest takeaway is that the voice he still has that voice and it's so so cool and you know what i just wrote myself a note when i talk to him tomorrow i'm going to ask him about that song maybe we'll get an answer for you ask him ask him if he remembers you know i it, I, I don't I, I remember we were like throwing some riffs around and some ideas and then we got on the I sat on the piano for a minute 
And, you know, it was more of a hang. It was more of like a, a, a meeting and an introduction and a creative hang. It wasn't like, hey, let's write a hit today or let's go and write a song. It was just like, hey, we'd love to meet. Let's talk. And we hung out and we wrote, sang a little bit. But uh, it was still just is unforgettable hang, for sure. But, hey, man, that's a huge credit to you because if you know his, his catalog and his history, he rarely wrote with anybody. I mean, most of his songs, he's the sole songwriter. So the fact that he thought enough of you to want to collaborate, that's a, that's a nice feather in your cap, oh, man. I'd run with that. Without a doubt. I was super honored, and I, I had been very aware of that. You know, and, and I think part of it also was we had the Mac connection, and I think also that he knew – that we were such massive Queen fans and we, you know, and Brian had spoken highly of us at the time. And, and I remember hearing a comment from Mac and I, I don't think I've ever actually ever said this before to anybody, but when we finished the first album, obviously extreme one, uh, Mac was in the studio with us and he went back home to Germany for the holidays and he said he had played the stuff for Freddie and, and Freddie had some great, great uh you know comments and different notes and thoughts about the the band and the album and and even my guitar playing and that was just unbelievable to hear from freddie especially before he passed yeah yeah man to know know that he heard you and heard what you did that's that is incredible well we just talked about extreme one there for a second let's talk about uh about extreme six is that what we're looking at is it six right (laughs) That's the name of the record, Extreme right? Six, man. It was. Uh, we, you know, we, we should have called it. I was thinking of calling it Portuguese Democracy. Just to, <laughs> since it, you know, since it took twice as long as you know the, the Guns album, Chinese Democracy, I believe it was. But uh, yeah, we decided to go with six because I'm a high school dropout. Six is just easier to deal with. <laughs> but, um, but six records but yeah, man, in like looks, 35 years, looks, man. I'm you too- are rivaling Guns. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm super pumped, man. I I. I said in a little announcement on Instagram, I said, listen, what's 15 years between friends, right? <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it wasn't the only, the only excuse I have, which there is no excuse really, but when a band, when a band like us gets to a point where, you know, you have the, really, this is what Rise the song is about. When you get to a point where you want to just play rock, you're young, you want to play rock and roll together, you don't care if you're in a van, you're playing clubs with Alice in Chains, your first tour, it's the time of your life, you sell some records, it's still great, you're touring, and then you sell more records and you have hits and the label starts paying attention and, and, and your managers start paying attention and everybody starts sort of now talking to you about business side of things and how you got to get out there and keep grinding and make money and you're going to lose the fans and as opposed to just making music for the sake of making music. And one of the things that, that broke us up for a while was that I don't give, I don't give a shit who you are when you're a musician or a rock and roller, you are not psychologically or emotionally equipped for success. Period. I don't care if you're a pop artist. I don't care if you're a Bieber. I don't care if you're Metallica We've seen all the documentaries. We've seen the behind the music. And the reason that is, is most fans are going to be like, oh, boo-hoo, man. These guys make millions and they have platinum records and they got a mansion. And how dare they even, how dare they cry? How dare they have trouble with relationships? And, and the band is arguing, these guys are living the dream. Yes, that is true to a point. But when you're on tour, the dream lasts about, I don't know, hour and a half, two hours on that stage. <laughs> the rest of it, is you being away from your family, you miss funerals, you miss weddings, you miss birthdays, you miss your kids, you miss your best friend. 
And after a while, 200 and something shows in per year. You're like, this is the dream, of course. But man, it's just like I'm missing that emotional. And, and one of the things that we love doing this for is to share it with our families and to share it with our friends. And when, you, when you're that far gone, sometimes it's difficult to, 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 to stick around. So extreme, yeah. Split up for a bit. You know what happens? You get you break up because you tore, and you open the curtain too fast, and you break up because the curtain the sun came in and it blinded you, and it's over. <laughs> but 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 uh, but in this in this case, we never wanted to release music ever 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 ever. Any extreme album, any song we've ever done has been because we were proud of it, excited, and couldn't wait to play it for for our for our brothers, right? That's usually the testament. The second you write a song and you want to play for your best friend, you're like, check this out. That's when you know it's ready to show the rest of the world. And unfortunately, you know, for that, for that 10 to 15 years, we wrote, we jammed, we, we were coming up with stuff. But it, me and Gary never really looked at each other or the band and went like, oh, my God. Right. And we wanted to be honest. We wanted to be truthful because, trust me, we, could have, we left a lot of money on the table. <laughs> for 15 years not putting albums out and selling records and doing tours to support an album and we were getting pressured to do so and 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 uh you know it's the financial death to do that but we never wanted to be phony and we waited and we we 40 songs in 50 songs and we're like whoa i think we we latched onto something here that's really exciting us and then we built the album off of that foundation and here it is so you wrote, so you guys were writing pretty consistently and then you got to the point where you had a pool of that many songs that are going to make up this next record. How many songs are on the record? 10, 12, but you wrote like 50 12. or 60 and pulled 12. from them. Oh my God. It was, listen, doing that, that's where the band breaks up again. It's like everybody's got <laughs> their tunes they want. And, and, but I have to say with this album, you know, you're doing the right album when, before this, before we knew we had, an album, a path to it, we would fight about songs because we were unsure. We, when you have your favorites, that's one thing. But then there are songs where you're like, uh-oh, no, that's, that's going on an album. That's going on the album, regardless if it's your favorite, not your favorite. You know, that has to be there as a piece of art that we have to show our fans and show new fans and, 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 and just that you get really proud of it. It's like 12 children you're raising. And then you kind of have this meeting at the end. You're like, guys, I know, Fig, you got yours, I got mine, but how are you going to replace that one? So when you get to the point when you get 10 to 12 solid tracks that you cannot take off the album, then you have an album. Did you produce the record, Nuno? I, I, if you love the record when you hear it, it was me. <laughs> uh, if, if you hate it, I, it, I think Gary had a lot to do with it. I'm not sure. But it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was me. It was me. I actually, you know, I, I'm not that... People probably think I'm really controlling if I say this, but I'm like, yeah, I engineered it and, and recorded it at my house and produced it and mixed it as well. Uh, and uh, so, but it's just, that's just a, that's just a product of doing this for decades and, and, you know, reading, I used to read, how can Jimmy Page produce all that stuff and do all that? I kind of, through the years, I started understanding that it almost lands on your lap because nobody else is doing it while you, while you're writing songs for, 30, 40, 50 songs, you end up cutting them, recording them, and we don't do demos. I hate demos because we can never recapture magic from the first time we record a song, so we just go all in, and if it works, it goes on the album. There's no, there's no cutting a demo, and then, oh, let's do another version of it or speed it up. We go in. If it works, if not, it's out. 
That's it. That's a great point, though, because historically, throughout my whole career interviewing bands, I've always heard people say after a record's been out for a while, oh, man, you should have heard the demo version. It was better. And it's like, so you just <laughs> circumvent that you. step. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can recut it. We did it. I remember we've done it with a few in the past. That's why we stopped. But I remember one specifically was Wholehearted. Wholehearted was recorded in Gary's basement. I was, I had a little four track or an eight track cassette thing going on. And I had this idea that a new 12 string at the studio wrote the riff. And then I'm like, I go back to his house. I'm in the basement. And I'm like, this all, everything's pouring through. It's coming out, the melodies. And I got nothing to record it with. So there was a headset, like, you know, like a McDonald's Burger King headset that you use that people, Janet Jackson used to use, like, live. And I literally taped it to my knee with duct tape to record the acoustic guitar. And it went in. It went in. Then I, I just did some percussion. We did the BVs, everything there. Gary cut the vocal. And I did a slide, and that was it. There's the demo, so we thought. We go to record Pornograffiti at Scream Studio in, in L.A. I don't think it's any longer there, but we go to cut it. Expensive mics, expensive everything, you know, recutting it. Could not recapture the, the, the spirit of it and just the, just the tone and all of it. So we literally had to ship, call these coats to ship the whole recorder over and transfer those tracks onto two-inch tape. And what goes to show you is that the new one that we recorded was better, technically, sonically, performances, perfect, amazing. But it lost, it lost the magic that you had on that first time you recorded as you're writing it. So it goes to show you that even when a song is done on a little, you know, little recorder in your basement at home, it can still go top five worldwide, which will hard it did, you know. Yeah, and the re the reason the reason why I ask you about producing is because when you were talk when you're talking about whittling down from fifty or sixty songs to the ten or twelve that ultimately appear on the record, that that final decision process usually falls on the producer, right? So was that your job to do that editing and make that final call? Wow, you just you just you just brought something up that's very difficult to navigate, where. Your vote in the band, <laughs> and and you're one of four, and then wow, I also get the tying vote, isn't that or the winning vote? Sorry, <laughs> right? Um, but but you know the guys, re I think the guys really at this point look if they don't respect me in that way, I'm really good at recording, writing it, doing it, and then stepping away, listening to it in the car, listening to it with other people, and seeing how it feels and how it touches people because. It's not just the song has to be great. It has to, it has to have some emotional value to it. The vocal, everything we do, the vocal performances on the album, the guitars, drums, everything. We don't sit there trying to, believe it or not, people are like, oh my God, you know, you're, you're trying to get your solo perfect. To be honest with you, if you hear that solo on its own, even on Rise, and everybody's like, it's so precise, it is messy. There is strings ringing. Every time I bend a string, there's shit going on that you wouldn't believe. And I think that's one of the distinct differences from maybe the way I play to a lot of the guitar players that I hear sometimes on Instagram that will play circles around me. It's like I, my jaw drops at how perfect, clean, and how precise they are. And for me, I, I, I always played with, with an angst, even if it was technically fun like Rises, I still try to keep that dirt and the gunk and the junk that I grew up with, with Edward and Brian May and Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page was sloppy eddie sometimes would just like leave shit out of tune and clanky tracks it was, it was awesome yeah i agree i mean that's what makes you you and i think that's incredibly cool and i think that is awesome for sure so tell me um 
you know, your fan base, you extreme has a very passionate fan base who has waited for a really long time for new music. I did something with Gary and Pat last year when you guys played at that casino in Northern California with cheap trick and you weren't there yet, but those guys came on my show. And I remember I was like, well, I want to ask you about when the new music's coming. They were like, no, we can't even talk about the new music coming because the fans get too, you know, we don't want to lead them on or whatever. So the fans are so rabid for this. Now that you finally have at least released a song, which we'll hear in a few minutes, what's been the reaction to rise? I mean, do you keep up with what fans are saying online or you hear from fans? I mean, what's the vibe? I'm going to be completely honest. Like, the, the guys were right. Like I, we were getting tired of saying an album's coming and people were actually, there was, they were hating on us. And I don't, and I don't blame it. You know, I blame them because when you do go on Instagram, you do have an account as an artist and you post things. They're just like, where's the album? Where's the song? What the, you know, it goes on. And I don't blame them to, to be like, you guys, you know, what, what is a band without music and new music and, 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 and composition and, 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 and storytelling and that. And they're right. But I have to tell you, and I don't, I stopped reading comments I think anybody who's any of my socials realizes that I don't respond to comments. I don't really read them because I'm the type of guy that's like so loves what he's doing so much that when I, I it, it's like when you play, any artist will tell you, you could be playing a stadium with 90,000 people, right? And they're all screaming, singing the songs, everything's going great. If there's one dude in the third row that's giving you a finger the whole night, that's all you think about. <laughs> you're like, exactly. It messes up your whole vibe and you can't not look at this guy and like, Oh my God, why is eight, you know, why is 89,009? What, like, what did I do to this guy? Like what's going on? And it really messes you up and you should be able to take the good with the bad. But I just said, you know what? The comments are kind of egotistical anyways, for me, do the music. You're giving them what you have as an artist, let them speak amongst themselves and let them, you know, you have a place to tell you that they love you or they hate you. And that should be fine. Like stop reading into it, stop reading them. But I was really curious after 15 years, I was like, you know, my managers call me and the bands tell me, Hey, you know, the label saying, you know, rises out and it's obviously on YouTube, but it's blowing past like half a million views in two days. And then now it's almost that probably hit a million by Wednesday. And we're like, wait, what? for real like extreme you know after 15 years that is happening and 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 they kind of coerced me to go like you know just take a look at the comments i'm telling you just take a little look and i'm like no i don't want to because i i just i don't want to be disappointed and i don't want it to go you're gonna see that one because you're gonna see because when you click on it you're gonna see the one out of the million positives you're gonna see the one that says (laughs) it sucks dude i trust me i know doing what i do Waited another 15 years, but you know what? You know what? You know, uh, Eddie, it didn't happen. I literally went on, and I was, I'm, I'm going to admit this as a grown man, 50, turning 57 this year. I'm going to admit that I scrolled down, and I read the most heartfelt, emotional, like, passionate, not just saying, it wasn't like, oh, man, you're great. It was just like people saying what we had hoped with that the song to be back, that the song, the, 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 the fire that we had, the guitar solo, the, 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 you know, and, and because it's really hard to know what an extreme album is or any album really with one song. And that's what bothers me about not releasing the whole thing. Cause you know, with extreme, it's like left and right turns. And so one song isn't de- definitive, but when I was scrolling down, I, I, I was like sitting there tearing up like a, like a dumb old man going like, wow, man, we're really touching some, some people here. And 
that made it all worth it. And it was people like, all right, I forgive you 15 years. It was worth <laughs> the wait. Well, you know, comments like that, that really make you appreciate your fan base. And really more importantly, Eddie is just like, when I told the guys about this album, I said, the most important thing to me that we're releasing this album is that it's, it's, it's a rock album. It's a rock and roll album. Like, you know, there's, there's a very, for good rock and roll albums for these days of, of our generation or from the bands of my, my generation, they're, they're, they're not many, right? And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and there's some great, trust me, there's some great albums that have come out and great stuff. But I just, I wanted to contribute to rock and roll. Like, man, let's keep this shit going. Let's keep rock and roll alive. Whatever it takes that we do, it, whether it's the guitar playing or anything else. And that was the majority of the comments was like, it's great to hear a rock band with some fire and actually not punching in the clock and going for blood. And that really connected with me because if there's one thing this band always took pride on, we don't brag about much is from the, from when we started, when we were 17, 18, 19, that fire and that passion, you've seen us on stage. So I don't need to, it's not, it's not hearsay. We are all in on everything we do. And that matters to us when people take notice of that, because that's what I'm proud of. Yeah, well, you should be because the band is from day one till last time I saw you, which was like a month ago, still unbelievably uh, killer live. And uh, I'm I'm so excited that there's new music coming and the full album's coming and we're going to let everybody hear the, the, the lead track here, which, as you mentioned, there's a video for which everybody can see on uh, YouTube right now. And I think it is past like 750,000 views already, which is funny because that's the barometer now. I mean, when you put out those first couple records, it was about hitting gold, hitting platinum, whatever. Now it's all about views, streams, clicks, numbers. So it's all there for everybody to see, and it's, it's really not hard. being it's fudged. Really hard for us. It's really hard for us old folks to wrap our head around that. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's the you know all that stuff, the algorithms, the what's you know what's selling here or there. It, it, it all comes down to you know how many people are clicking on it, which is great to see. I mean, and of course, when it comes out, you'll no doubt be selling vinyl and CDs because that's still part of the business as well. It's just not what it once was. Do you know Nuno? Because I'm not personally on the vinyl kick, but I know a lot of people are. Are you going to release it on vinyl same day that it comes out, or is there a delay? Because sometimes there's a delay. Let me tell you something. The vinyl, with our record company, Ear, which has been amazing in supporting us, their music, and we're so so excited to be partnering with them on this and coming out there with them. We we went to different record companies, and they were the most passionate. They got extreme. You know, Max and the gang over there, Isabel and Heinrich, all of them, thank you. want to thank you for that. They believe in us, and and, and actually allowing myself and my partner Renee to direct these videos and they, they're giving, they're giving us like free reign and letting us do our thing to connect with our fans. And you, you're absolutely right. It's like vinyl. The reason the album's coming out in June, I was bummed when they said, wait, we turned the album in like last fall or last the end of fall. And it's coming out in June. Why? And I said, man, vinyl, vinyl is 40% of your sales for a band of our, you know, of our generation. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Still CDs and vinyl. So I'm down, man. I did the artwork for the vinyl. I was, I was never so excited, you know, the fold, opening it up and seeing, seeing our gorilla on the cover on a big, you know, big piece of artwork on vinyl and seeing the photo and spread in the middle and the artwork. I'm so excited. I got, I got my turntable out. I got, the, I got, the, I got a, a copy of it. I got to approve, you know, the first print of it. I remember dropping the needle on Rise, the first song, and then hearing those pops and crackles. I was like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. 
That is cool. So that so the whole record, vinyl, CD, streaming, everything hits in June, right? Yeah, all in. And and, and trust me when I tell you I cannot wait. Uh, two things I want to say: the Rise video that's out right now of the band rock and rolling. There's a little treat coming. It's a, it's a, we got it. We got an alternate version of that video as well, which we're really super pumped about to get the fans excited, get everybody excited. And also, we got an, you know another two singles coming pretty pretty quick, and the videos are really spectacular. We're having fun with them. And uh, please, just you know, be patient because I'm telling you right now, we we put an album together. Not I know everybody listens to singles now, and they do playlisting and they pick their favorites. But this album is old school in the sense put a, put a pair of headphones on like we did with Dark Side of the Moon or any ACDC album or, or, or any classic drunk album and go for the journey because it's curated like a three-course meal in order from top to bottom. I guarantee you it's 50 minutes that you will have, you'll have fun with. There's so many twists and turns in, 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 our, in, in rock and roll there. So I can't wait for everybody to hear the album. Excited. And, and tell everybody, if you can, Nuno, this song, Rise... In co- in contrast to the the full album, what what are um, you know how does this is this kind of indicative of the record? Is this kind of like its own thing? Is this kind of the is this well, kind me, of let like? Let me tell you something. Anybody who knows an extreme album knows to expect the unexpected, because nothing is nothing is what it seems. <laughs> you know why? Because the bands we grew up with, like Queen, like Zeppelin, who did acoustic stuff. Even Van Halen doing like, could this be magic? And so like, you know, uh, you know, running with the devil. We always wrote with our moods and we never tried to say, let's do all of this, or all of that. The best songs win. The best tracks win. There's some heavy stuff like you hear here. There's sisters and brothers to this. And then there's some beautiful stuff that sounds like some throwback extreme. And then there's some beautiful orchestral stuff. There's, there's an epic three sides-ish kind of track on it called X Out. I'm telling you, that's why I'm saying there's something there for everybody. This song is indicative of an extreme album, but not indicative of the sonic element of the whole thing, without a doubt. Hey, before I let you go, I got to ask you this real quickly, too, before we play the song. Um, You, uh, for those that didn't pay super close attention... Uh, for half a second, you made an appearance during the hey, Super wait, Bowl. Wait, 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 wait. It was 1.5 <laughs> seconds. I think it was 1.5 <laughs> seconds. I was teasing going into the Super Bowl the whole time. I was like, I was like, um, Saying to myself, how cool would it be if Nuno just opened the Super Bowl halftime show by just ripping a solo? But <laughs> that didn't hey, quite happen, but we did you see you. thinking that. But then uh, it was hard. I think, look, you know what? It was Rihanna's performance. It's not extreme. It's not Nuno. And I played on the whole, played on the whole set. You know, it, from top to bottom, we, 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 you know, the band was ridiculous. And we had fun doing it. But yeah, it would have been, it would have been nice if actual NFL or whoever the Fox was that they would actually let some cameras hit the band because not just me, but the band itself was was driving all all this energy that I think it was. I think that, I think they they missed an opportunity there because. One thing about Re, uh, uh, Rihanna is that she loves being a part of a band as well, and she's always had that since I've been working with her. And I know the spectacle kind of got big, <laughs> the production got big, and it is the Super Bowl. But uh, I would have loved to to see her. I, I I'll, I'll never forget it. It was a bucket list moment for me to be part of the Super Bowl. I'm a big football fan and a big sports fan, so it was bucket list stuff. But it would have been nice. I didn't know. You know, you can't tell what they're broadcasting. It would have been nice. For the band to get some love and to vibe with her and some chemistry, but 
I think the powers that be wanted it to be just more of a spectacle than uh, I guess us musicians are a little, uh, I guess we're just boring. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was watching. I was like the whole halftime show. I'm like, I know Nuno's out there. I know we're going to see him. And at the very end, there's like and a pan and I like froze. I was, there he is. There it is. <laughs> exactly. I was like, man, it would have been nice to hear some guitar, but at least we saw him on the, the Super Bowl halftime for a second. Hey, um, I got a last minute caller that just called in a mutual friend that uh, just texted me and said, I got to get in on this. Uh, we welcome now to join us real quickly, Mr. Tom Morello. Oh, hey, my what's going Lord. on, Eddie? What's up, Nuno? What's, what's up, brother? On, brother? Hey, I was just, uh, I was just, just, just picking, picking my kid, picking my kid up from school. Turned on Hair Nation, and I heard uh, you guys talking about this. And Eddie uh, Nuno gave me the great treat. The entire album the other night with some friends at a studio in Hollywood. And I heard you guys talking about it. And it's just, I really, really loved it. I don't know if you know, Eddie, but I've been a fan of Extreme since before they were signed. They were a club band in Boston when I was going to school there. And I used to go see Nuno when he was 16, 17 years old, shredding up the, uh, the Boston strip there. And I've been a fan ever since. And uh, the, the song Rise, I got to tell you, it's, a, it's the first song on the record, the first single. And he played it for us the other night. I'm like, bro, you still got it. Well, I'll tell you, Tom, first of all, Nuno was nice enough to invite me to that. Thank you, Nuno. I wasn't in town, but I would have been there with you, Tom, to hear the whole record. But, um, you know, it's funny, Tom, you telling me that so many people like, you know, you going to college there. Uh, my friend Brian Tishy always tells me because he went to, to school there at Berkeley. He always tells me, man seeing extreme back then in those clubs and seeing Nuno do that as a kid was just mind blowing P people like yourself, Tishy, others still talk to me about that. Nuno, you must get that all the time, man. It must feel good to hear from people like Tom and others that saw those early shows and you made such a mark on them. I, I, what, what feels, what feels good about that. And I told Tom is that I love the fact that I became a fan of Tom rage against the machine and trying to get tickets to his show and not knowing that he was there at celebrations on Kimmel Square, not knowing that he was going to Harvard, you know, like coming to the shows and, and, and maybe, you know, had a little bit of a, a little bit of a fan there. I, I had no idea. So that, I love how the universe pulls people together to guitar players that, you know, in, in, in a way have a very similar flavor in what they love at the root, which is a great riff that's got some movement and some funk and some heaviness, you know, it, it, we're all influenced from the same school of, of Kiss, Van Halen, and Led Zeppelin, and 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 so I, it was really it was really cool to that me and Tom had a connection without even knowing we were connected. And yes, I did a little listening party. Like I told you, what I told Tom when we went in the studio, I go, I'm not hitting you up because you're Tom Morello. I'm hitting you, some other friends, some up because you can't wait to share an album that you're proud of with your your, your buddies, with your friends and your peers. And uh, and you know, Tom was like, all right. Turn the lights down. Do not touch that space bar. We're listening to it down from the top to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, did you bring a little whiskey? Did you bring a little ni nice yeah. bottle with you? I didn't. I didn't actually. It was, it was the, the the listening party was a little whiskey light, frankly. But it was oh, uh, man. a great time, and I listened to the record down, and it's a great extreme record. We were laughing about the fact that you know, in this day and age, there's over a hundred thousand songs released a day. 
And I was thinking, like, if this record came out, you know, in a different period of time, it would be like the apex record of, of, of the period. It's got great rock jams on it. It's got beautiful songs on it. It's got, you know, like, there's, there's humor. There's shredding guitar throughout. It's a really, really great extreme record. It was such a pleasure to listen to it uh, top to bottom. As Nuno said earlier in this interview, like, if you've got 50 minutes, just, you know, put on the headphones or crank it in the car for a drive. It really deserves a listen. It's a record, unlike a lot of songs that are made these days, um, it's, a, it's an album that is made with such care and love. And for, you know, people who really uh, care deeply about what they're doing and care about their fans and really want to deliver, like, the best rock and roll. And so it was such an honor to be able to rock out to it in a room, and I can't wait for the rest of the world to be exposed to it. Well, it better be 15 years. They better have put some care into it. Jesus. <laughs> exactly. That's, you're not wrong. Yeah. We were doing a note, a note a day. It was a note a day for 15 years. <laughs> hey, Tom, real quick, going back to when you were – so you're in college and you're going to these clubs in Boston and you're seeing extreme – where, where, where were yeah. you at as a guitar player at that time and like your evolution as yeah. a player and seeing Nuno, yeah. did it make you go back to your room and like, be like, all right, I got to step it up. Oh, I mean, or were you yeah. already there? Oh, yeah. First of all, he's, he's younger than me. Right. So I started playing when I was 17 years old. So I was at Harvard. Like I saw him maybe when I was 19, 20 years old. There was a club called celebration in Kenmore square and every Wednesday night was metal night. And so my friends and I would put like Harvard dudes, would strap on our spandex with like bandanas tied around our necks and thighs <laughs> and go down there for the, when the doors opened and to watch the metal videos and whatever bands were playing. And Extreme was like, they were the kings of that scene. But the thing was like, it was, you know, I was fans of, you know, Eddie Van Halen and Jimmy Page and then Ingve and this, that and the other. But there was like this child, this man child who was as good as any guitar player I'd ever seen before. And, and I would go back to my dorm and go like, my gosh, that's crazy. Like, how is that young man able to play so well? I better practice more. And so I try. Yeah, how, can he, how can he play the Adams Family theme and Popeye like that? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So here's, so this is, we were talking about this the other night. So it, like he had his, his eruption moment of the night was like the band would leave the stage and we would all like sit there with our jaws on the ground and our ears wide open here. What's Nuno going to play this time? And so he would do a medley of like cartoon themes and, and 70s television <laughs> show themes and like a shredding version of the Adams family and this, that, and the other. And we were all just like, like jaws on the floor. Nuno, you ever think of bringing that back and doing that again? Listen, Tom brought this up at the studio, you know, recently down in Hollywood. And I'm like, you know what? It might be time to bring a few of those Green Acres and, and, and you know, like you, know, like you said, Adam Simmons stuff back. I used to always just play around with the crowd. But, uh, you know, listen, I, I can't tell you how honored I am to be on this call right now, man, with Tom. And Tom, so thanks for calling in, man, and, and, and sending the love. It's, uh, as you know, it's, 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 it's always means a lot when you're releasing a, a, a piece of art to go to the planet. Once it gets released, it's no longer yours. And you want it, hopefully, to be the soundtrack to people's lives in, in any which way possible. So, man, thanks for coming on, man. That's so awesome. Of course. It's my pleasure. And, Eddie, uh, Nuno and I are South America in the, in the summer, so that should be a ball. Your phone dropped for a second. What did you say? You're doing what in South America? Hey, sorry. I said, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm driving in the hills. I said Nuno and I are playing some uh, shows together in South, South America in the early summer, so that should be a ball. What's that going to be yeah, like? The ch just guitar thing, or is that a band, or what are you doing? 
No, I do my solo thing. You don't come to my solo thing because it's not like hair metal enough for you. But like, get out of here! Career that you don't even know about. I do too. I didn't know how you were doing it because Nuno does Generation X. I thought it was maybe like a guitar thing. No, 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 no. It's extreme. It's extreme. And and me, we're playing some uh, some South American shows together. Oh, all right, very cool. Well, fly me to South America and I'll come see your. Fly me to South America, Tom, on your private plane, and I'll come see you do your your non hair metal thing. You're you're in. You're in. Send me a ticket. I'll be there tomorrow. I'd love to do that. Um, <laughs> listen, man. I'll see you, uh, Tom. I'll see you guys both when I get to L.A. And uh, everybody, check out Extreme playing live upcoming gigs. Monsters of Rock cruise. I know you're on M3. Anything else? Uh, gig wise, Nuno coming up. We should know about. You got a whole tour. I would well, imagine you know at I'm some excited. point. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to say that there's dates. We're being thrown dates now with the new release, and we're talking. You know, we're talking about stuff in Asia. We're talking about stuff in some in South America, as Tom just said. We're trying to do as many as possible. We're talking about the U.S. and Europe, U.K. So let's see. We're, we're ready to rock, man. We're ready to go and play these songs live. Well, if, if anybody that's seen Extreme recently knows it's still devastating live. I'm sure, in my view, it's got to be as good as it was in those clubs that Tom saw because the band is just still lethal. So, um, listen, guys, thank you both. And uh, I'm going to play the new Extreme song for everybody to check out. Again, the record, the full record coming in June. Tom, I'll talk to you. Nuno, I'll talk to you. Thank you, guys. We'll see you soon, all right? It's Thanks always, it's love, always a pleasure, Thank Eddie. You. And when you fans are listening to this extreme song right now, like there's a guitar solo and it's fantastic. And it starts and you're like, everybody who loves Nuno Betancourt is going to be like, oh, this is a great guitar solo. And then about 50% of the way through the guitar solo, it goes somewhere. You just can't, you're going to lose your effing mind. Tom, have you figured it out yet? <laughs> have you worked on it yet? You you me, I, stole, I stole it from Tom. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys thank you both we're gonna play the song for everybody right now i'll talk to you all right all right see you man thank you see you nuno well that was a lot of fun new extreme music sounds killer full album coming in june 15 years in the making as you just heard and it was great to get caught up on uh extreme activities even a little talk about nuno playing at the super bowl there and uh, that was a lot of fun. So hope you guys enjoyed that. And we'll do more with Extreme again closer to the album's release. Thanks to Tom Morello as well for checking in during that interview, as you just heard. All right. At uh, Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page. New podcast again next Thursday. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to check out the radio show each and every weekday. Faction Talk Channel 103, live 3 to 5 Eastern Time or anytime on the SiriusXM app. And, of course, the interview you just heard coming from my sixth SiriusXM show, Trunk Nation on Hair Nation, Mondays 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern. Have a great week, everybody. Hope to catch you on the radio. And if not, back here for another podcast next Thursday. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because... 
If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.